My name is Jim Johnston, and my pronouns are he, him, and his. I'm a member of your Board of Trustees, and it is my pleasure and honor to welcome you to worship this morning at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty, minister, as well as by our very talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Thank you all. Much appreciation also goes out to many of you, our lay leaders. Your incredible efforts and dedication help keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests who are joining us here today, either in person or online. Uh, we encourage you to fill out the visitor form, which is in the lobby or also online, and to connect with us in the in-person social hour after services this morning, so we have a chance to meet and welcome you in person. Finally, for those attending here at the Owen Brown Interface Center, please take a moment now to silence your, uh, your cell phones and other electronic devices. I have five announcements this morning, starting with uh, one that's happening right here, not here, but nearby, 
Uh, from 2 to 5 this afternoon, please join uh, UUCC members Joe Christensen and Pamela Henry from 2 to 5 in Sanctuary B to decorate a holiday box, which you can then use for serving holiday cards, mementos, and much more. We'll be using cigar boxes uh, and then decoupaging them, collage and trimmings. It'll be a fun-filled activity for all ages. This is an auction event. However, we'd like to see as many of you attend as possible. So even if you do not bid, it, bid on it at the auction, please come on down and join us. Uh, and there'll be a donation box available to make donations at the time. So again, two to five this afternoon. Also this afternoon, we hope to see you at four o'clock at the monthly Black Lives Matter vigil at the Mall of Columbia. Please join us to bear public witness to the problem of anti-black racism in our neighborhood, in our nation, and in the world. And please bring your own signs if you have them. Seasoned Souls will hold the uh, monthly bag lunch this Thursday from 12 to 1.30 in Sanctuary A. Uh, please join us with friends um, and UC staff and a chance to have the holiday hustle and bustle fall away for a little bit. So all are welcome. And finally, the announcements I have, um, the last one is from the Board of Trustees, and we invite you to join us in expressing appreciation for our incredible UC staff by contributing toward a holiday gift. You can make a donation to this holiday gift by contributing online and go to the Realm page, the Realm giving page, and then leave a note there that it's for the staff holiday gift in the memo line. Donations can also be made by check and should be made out to UCC, but again, put holiday, uh, staff holiday gift in the memo line. Please make your donations by next Sunday, and we are very grateful and thankful for your support in recognizing our amazing staff with the special in the holiday season. And now, a special announcement from Compass Boys class member, Sarah Getty. My name is Sarah Getty, and I'm speaking for the Compass Point Religious edu Education class. I'm here to ask you to stop by for just a few moments in Sanctuary B during coffee hour to answer a few questions surrounding your beliefs about God. Thank you all, and we hope to see you in service at, uh, in Sanctuary B. Good morning. I am Paige Getty. And Jim, you took my papers. I probably do know what I was going to say, but just in case. I'm Paige Getty. <laughs> I use the pronoun she, her, and hers. And it is my honor and privilege to serve as minister of this congregation and to welcome all of you here this morning. If you aren't already aware, you can follow along in the order of service that you can access on your own mobile device by using the QR code that's going to appear on the screen. Um, there, it's available on the website. So uh, please follow along. Those of you here in the sanctuary, if you need a hearing assist device, please see one of the members of the tech team that are in the booth there at the back of the sanctuary and they will provide one of those for you. As always, later in the service today, we will honor the personal joys and sorrows of members of our community. So if you have one of those that you would like to have voiced on your behalf this morning, please send it by email to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net or write it in the Joys and Sorrows book that's at the back of the sanctuary. So it is a long-standing annual tradition in this congregation for the choir and other musicians to craft a winter holiday music service that is a highlight of our worship year. 
After two years of virtual recorded performances by our beloved choir, what a joy it is to have them back in person on this chancel under the direction of the incomparable Dr. Michael Adcock, who is our Director of Music Ministries. Welcome back to Madeline Miskey, and also to our very own Ariel Vitali and Zachary Nelson, all of whom are going to be offering special selections this morning. Do note that there will be more special holiday-themed performances, both musical and otherwise, next Sunday, December 18th, as we enjoy the annual holiday pageant, and then the following Saturday, which is unbelievably already going to be Christmas Eve, at 7 p.m. when we'll gather for our traditional Christmas Eve service. Now, let's take a steadying breath together. I invite you to hear the ringing of this bell and allow its sound to call you fully into worship.
Thank you, Madeline. As we light the flaming chalice, as Unitarian Universalists are doing all over the world this morning, we dedicate it with the words of minister, theologian, poet, Rebecca Parker, who writes, you have to know your body as the home of God. You have to know your body as the home of God, and this is the purpose of Christmas. The rose blossoming in the wilderness is the unfolding of your pleasure as the fingers peel an orange and sweetness buds in the mouth. The bright star in the sky is the sudden clarity of your instinct for joy. The birth cry in the night is your child falling into the dark and your arms holding her. The terror of Herod's murderous intent is your rage that would prefer death to change. The singing angel is your voice at church, not sure of the tune, but certain for a moment that there is glory. The animals breathing their warm breath in the fragile stable are your emotions, kneeling into the body of earth at ease in the presence of God. Mary is you, God in your body. Joseph is you, sheltering God in the world. This is the key to the mystery. The word became flesh. We are the dwelling place. Will you now rise in body or in spirit? We're going to join our voices in speaking together our congregational covenant as we remind ourselves of these promises that we make to and with one another. And then I'll invite you to turn and greet one another this morning. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. Now, will you say hello to those of you who are with us on Zoom this morning? Hello, and turn and greet your neighbors here in the room. Thank you.
Um, but certainly getting some cookies. They're really good. Angel slice. Similar to you, you do the national process, like connected to it, but not directly connected. So, uh, it's been so hard to see. And we love Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. For this morning's Time for All Ages, I'm going to share a little info about St. Francis of Assisi, and then we'll watch a video story based on a well-known praise poem that he wrote. One of the earliest and most important religious mystics, St. Francis was an Italian Catholic saint and one of the most venerated figures of Christianity. Inspired to live a life of poverty, service, and preaching, St. Francis was canonized in the year 1228. Closely associated with both patronage of animals and the environment, blessings of the animals' religious services many churches share today have background in St. Francis's work and mission. He also arranged for the very first nativity scene in 1223. And the following year wrote a beautiful poem he titled Canticle of the Creatures. With appreciation for the combined efforts of Alan and Lori Coultry, thank you, we are now going to view a video story of St. Francis's canticle that has been adapted and reimagined as the story Brother Sun, Sister Moon by Catherine Paterson. I invite you to remain seated where you are to enjoy the video, and the children will then exit the sanctuary for their activity during the singing of the opening hymn. We come to sing a song of praise to you, O God, the Lord of heaven and earth. We praise you for our brother's son, who in his radiant dawning every day reminds us it was you who brought forth light. We praise you, Sister Moon, and all our sister stars who clothe the night with their beauty and who, like you, watch over us while we sleep. We praise you for our cousin wind and every kind of weather, stormy or mild, for when they roar, they remind us of your might. And when they come as a cooling breeze, they tell us of your gentleness. Praise too for our ever-present sibling air who, though invisible, surrounds us and gives us life and breath. We praise you for Sister Water, who fills the seas and rushes down the rivers, who wells up from the earth and falls down from heaven, who gives herself that all living things may grow and be nourished. We praise you for our cousin Fire, whose strength warms our homes and in whose resplendent dancing light we glimpse your playfulness. We praise you for our sister Earth, who declares her mother love for us as she sustains our bodies with food and our souls with beauty. We praise you that in this world of hatred and war, you still give us courageous brothers, sisters, and cousins who offer their lives in the making of peace. And though we often fear her, we praise you for our sibling, Death, who will usher us at last 
into your loving presence. For all your gifts, for this wondrous universe in which we live, for family, for friends, for work and play, for this life and the life to come, we sing our praise to you. Will you rise as we join in singing this hymn together and our children are invited to join Miss Kelly and other leaders for their religious education programming. Please be seated. It's our custom on the second Sunday of each month to collect funds that we then give away to organizations that are doing really good work in our community. And it is also our custom on the second Sunday of December to give those funds to Grassroots Crisis Intervention Center. And so this morning we're going to hear from UUCC member Dana Soar about how your funds will serve some of the most vulnerable neighbors in our community. Thank you, Dana, for this recording. 
Good morning. I'm Dana Soar, and I've been a member of UUCC since the year 2000. For many years, UUCC has been a stalwart partner of Grassroots, a nonprofit organization that provides crisis-related services to Howard County residents. In addition to its 24-7 hotline for people experiencing mental health crises, Grassroots also operates a 55-bed emergency shelter to ensure that people experiencing homelessness have a safe place to stay for a limited period. The shelter is always full. During winter months, Grassroots partners with county congregations to provide overflow shelter for the many people for whom there isn't room in the emergency shelter and who would otherwise have to sleep in their car, tent, storage container, or other unsheltered space. In the years from 2010 to 2020, when the overflow shelter rotated from one congregation to the next, we converted the main floor of the Owen Brown Interface Center one week each year into the warm welcome shelter and hosted up to 25 guests each night. For the past two years, because of COVID protocols, Grassroots has used county government funds to create the overflow shelter in an extended stay motel. Guests are sheltered in motel rooms and provided with meals, as well as case management to help them address the circumstances that led to their homelessness. In a minority of cases, guests are chronically homeless due to an addiction or other disability. But in most cases, guests are in the midst of a crisis that has led to their homelessness. Very often, they've had to flee from their home to escape from an abusive partner where they've just experienced an extended illness or other disruption that has led to a loss of income and eviction from their rental home. Our support for the shelter in the past two years has been purely financial. Rather than hosting guests in our interface center, we've raised money to feed guests during one week of the shelter's operation at the motel. 15 other Howard County congregations have provided similar support. And so that's my appeal today. We're raising money to purchase meals for one week of the shelter's operation. Grassroots has asked us to feed 30 guests and the caterer we're working with charges about $6 for each of three daily meals. It works out to a total of about $4,000. That's our minimum goal for today. But we'd like to raise much more so that we can help Grassroots with the many extra expenses they incur at this time of year. Our county government has essentially outsourced Howard County's crisis response to grassroots, and we need to ensure that grassroots continues on a solid financial footing. So please, I hope you'll give generously to today's appeal for grassroots. In addition to your financial contribution, you might be interested to learn more about the factors that lead to homelessness in the sixth most affluent county in the United States. The reality is that our housing market which is serving homeowners very well with depreciating home values, is actually making homelessness worse. If you'd like to learn more about that conundrum and find out about opportunities to advocate for more affordable housing in our community, please contact me. Thank you. Thank you, Dana. And thank you all for dig digging even deeper in your figurative pockets than you thought you might when you entered the door today. We'll take your cash in the basket in the back of the room, your checks made payable to UUCC with outreach offering in the memo line, and you're going to see or you're seeing already instructions for giving by text, which is what I'm getting ready to do. Thank you very much. And do accept Dana's invitation to learn more about what's leading to worse homelessness in our community.
Thank you for your generosity. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian while he sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of clear shining to cheer it after rain. These are words of the great English poet and hymn writer William Cooper, fervently religious, but perhaps best known as a poet of nature. Incidentally, Cooper was also famous for an essay he penned titled The Negro's Complaint, written from the perspective of a slave and oft quoted by MLK during the civil rights era. Themes of nature and light abound in the works of many great mystic poets, and the relationship of those elements to the story of Christmas is what this morning's service is all about. Mysticism as a concept or belief is somewhat difficult to describe. Its meanings are varied and can differ from person to person as well as religious context. But broadly defined, mysticism is a state of sublime spiritual and imaginative experience 
where one has a direct and intuitive perception of some all-embracing infinite or eternal reality, one of transcending the sensible material universe toward a divine unity of the universe. Of course, it goes without saying that many forms of religion are built upon the idea of the mystical experience, whether it be a direct experience with some type of God or in the perception of some ultimate reality. This union of God or spirit is often described as ecstasy or rapture born of deep contemplation. In the poetry of great religious mystics, ideas of both longing and fulfillment simultaneously exist. A sense of opening to the mystical experience itself, being present to a universe that is once perhaps magnificent. The author Stephen Mitchell describes it as a shimmering oneness from inside a circle that has no circumference. Of course, one does not have to be religious or have any specific belief in a god to encounter mysticism. Sometimes poets write outside of the experience of God, focusing more in the searching and longing for something generally spiritual, which often arises when an individual feels disconnected from their source and longing to become reconnected. This morning, I've chosen music and words that connect to the mysticism of Christmas in a variety of different ways, from the radiant mysticism of the divine birth, the metaphor of the conception as a blossoming in nature, as well as other more earthbound elements, animals, stables, straw, the mystical pull of the moon, concepts of time and darkness concurrent with the winter solstice. All these elements in the story of Jesus' birth coexist with the shining of an object or some bright star in both awareness and yearning for some kind of divine light, a light that might rekindle love, Christmas being, of course, an archetype of light in the darkness. In his famous sonnet, God's Grandeur, mystic poet Gerard Manley Hopkins connects God directly to the earth, writing, the world is charged with the grandeur of God, but it will flame out like shining from shook foil. Why do men not wreck his rod? For all this, though, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness, deep down things, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with awe bright wings. I'd like to thank our soloists and guest musicians participating this morning, the wonderful vocal talents of Madeline Miski revisiting us again with her versatile artistry, and later on in the service, the contributions of Zach and Ariel on trombone for a beautiful instrumental arrangement of a foray motet. Appreciation as well for our readers from the choir and other staff members who assisted in putting the service together, and of course, the sound team for their continued dedicated work in helping to render the visual tech elements of our hybrid services. I consider it a privilege to be your music director here at UUCC and cherish these unique and rare opportunities to create and explore services on so many diverse and interesting topics. And finally, my heartfelt appreciation, as always, to the committed members of the Chalice Choir who've remained steadfast with all the sinking challenges the pandemic has wrought. But it's great testament that they are right here on our chancel again, finally, for a special Christmas music service and present every Thursday evening for rehearsal without fail.
While both they and I would prefer they sing even more for you this morning, the reality is that we've had to return slowly and somewhat modestly in our repertoire for services. Yet still, we're able to offer some new and challenging choral music for you this morning, especially the difficult but exquisite Poulenc motets, which close the service. The choir has worked hard to realize the demands of these pieces, and as always, I'm grateful for their dedicated and hardworking efforts. At Christmas, it may be worth remembering that in the Bible, Jesus didn't come to proclaim his own exclusive divinity, as much as to radically suggest that divinity exists in all of humanity, in life itself, as a bright light of truth and essential being. Initially a typical and remarkable, unremarkable young man, Jesus didn't become divine until his ego disappeared into a realization of himself as a living manifestation of the universe. Then he became one with all people, all existence, all life, all love. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, and truly each of us who has lived is an emanation of something divine, some kind of divine spark. In a brilliant Ascending Luminosity essay on the mystical meaning of Christmas, lost souls are represented as points where the brightness of light has been obscured by illusions of space-time darkness and separation, perhaps even dimmed by ignorance of their true nature. Indeed, our most profound moments of joy, love and peace, and ecstasy are simply moments of liberation of the very light we most essentially are. In these moments, we are lit from within, so to speak, and our light can radiate freely. Then we become pure divine love. If our essence is light, then the occasional darkness of our bodies, minds, and lives can only become illuminated when we liberate ourselves from the illusion of separateness. There's that saying that it's always darkest just before dawn and joy won't come until the morning. And truly for some of us, dark nights of the soul can be painfully long lasting. But when a person experiences transcendence over darkness and doubt, it can be like a near death experience, a blissful journey back into love and light. I leave you with this short Christmas poem from the mystic Evelyn Underhill titled Light of the World. Now born, newborn to the world, double-natured name, the heaven-flung, heart-fleshed, maiden-furled, miracle in Mary aflame. Mid-numbered he and three of the thunder throne, not a doomsday dazzle in his coming, nor dark as he came, kind but royally reclaiming his own. A released shower let flash to the shire, not a lightning of fire hard hurled.
This poem is called Alone and Drinking Under the Moon by Li Po, and it was written way back in the 700s. Among the blossoms waits a jug of wine. I pour myself a drink, no loved one near. Raising my cup, I invite the bright moon and turn to my shadow. We are now three. But the moon doesn't understand drinking, and my shadow follows my body like a slave. For a time, moon and shadow will be my companions, a passing joy that should last through spring. I sing, and the moon just wavers in the sky. I dance, and my shadow whips around like mad. While lucid still, we have such fun together, but stumbling drunk, each staggers off alone. Bound forever, relentless we roam, reunited at last on the distant river of stars. Thank you, Ted. Will you now rise and join in singing In the Gentle of the Moon? The lyrics will appear on the screen. the Chalice Choir is going to offer new lyrics sung to a familiar Christmas tone, tune known as the Huron Carol. This lovely Canadian carol has the distinction of being the oldest known Christmas carol in the Americas. It was composed in 1642 by the Jesuit missionary Jean de Brébeuf. The original title and lyrics, "'Twas in the Moon of Winter Time," were written in the language of the native Huron-Wendat people and based on a traditional folk song. Although Brebeuf and the Wendat people had great respect for one another, the song was intentionally written to introduce the Wendat people to Christianity and used Native American symbols and figures to tell the story of the nativity. Although typical of their time, Brebeuf's lyrics are an unfortunate, even wounding appropriation of indigenous culture, exhibiting a kind of paternalistic and somewhat condescending racism. Of course, we know better now and although I was eager to share this beautiful carol with you this morning, it would have been disrespectful of us to sing these original words. Fortunately, I came across a new text 
by a UU chaplain of Native American heritage by the name of D.L. Seaborn that was written in a spirit of reconciliation. Although the lyrics are quite different and at times somewhat wordy, they more respectfully honor the Wendat peoples, our congregation's own values, and sensitivity to the difficult issues of misappropriation of others' cultures. So that you can clearly understand what the choir is singing, these new words will appear on a video slide.
We're going to take a few minutes now to honor the personal joys and sorrows that have been shared by members of our community this morning. We not only give voice to these joys and sorrows, but we also embody this ritual of placing a pebble in a communal bowl of water to honor the way that each life and story ripples out into this community and is held in loving care by all of us. So thank you to Hallie for placing stones for each joy and sorrow that have been submitted. And those of you in the room, if you'd like to come honor your joys and sorrows um, in silence during the music meditation, you're invited to come forward and do that. And one last pebble for all those things that each of us is holding without words this morning. Thank you, Hallie. Will you join me, please, for a few moments of reflection and prayer before the music meditation? Holy Spirit of love, of life, of death, of the journey in between, of the light and the dark and the dawn and the dusk. May we know that we are beloved, worthy of love and care and shelter. May we offer love and care and shelter to one another. May we have the strength to hold all that is this life, the fear and the worry and the hope and the celebration and the great joy. And may this community be a community of meaning and wholeness and healing. Let us share just a moment of stillness. Amen. Blessed be.
Inner History of a Day by John O'Donohue. No one knew the name of this day, born quietly from deepest night. It hid its face in light, demanded nothing for itself, opened out to offer each of us a field of brightness that traveled ahead, providing in time ground to hold our footsteps and the light of thought to show the way. The mind of the day draws no attention. It dwells within the silence with elegance to create a space for all our words, drawing us to listen inward and outward. We seldom notice how each day is a holy place where the Eucharist of the ordinary happens transforming our broken fragments into an internal continuity that keeps us. Somewhere in us, a dignity presides that is more gracious than the smallness that fuels us with fear and force, a dignity that trusts the form a day takes. So, at the end of this day, we give thanks for being betrothed to the unknown and for the secret work through which the mind of the day and the wisdom of the soul become.
good to have you back. <laughs> Let's thank our choir. And Michael, thank you. <laughs> So we're closing this morning with words written by Rabindranath Tagore, all that is joy. Let all the strains of joy mingle in my last song, the joy that makes the earth flow over the riotous excess of the grass, the joy that sets the twin brothers life and death dancing over the wide world. The joy that sweeps in with the tempest, shaking and waking all life with laughter. The joy that sits still with its tears on the open red lotus of pain. And the joy that throws everything it has upon the dust and knows not a word. Amen. Will you rise and once more join your voices in singing? For you shall go out in joy. Your heart will be true.